0: I attended UWF from 2011 to 2015, and really enjoyed my time on campus. I had a handful of paranormal experiences, my last dorm on campus was haunted, a south side dorm room a friend of mine stayed in was haunted, and a few other strange occurrences. But the main story that haunts me still is when I saw a dead man in the nature trail at my university. I wasn't unique in my habits of sneaking to the trails behind building 11 with my one-hitter, to the university's nature trail to smoke. So when I'd go out onto the boardwalk trail I'd smell some fellow tokers and midnight smokers as well as hear them shuffle as I would to keep the smell from lingering but I was traditionally paranoid and carried a handmade spoof. I felt after my first semester at uwf that I was pretty familiar with the trails and getting away with smoking in them. So in early 2012 I was with a few friends that I had made partaking in collegiate debauchery out in the trails. I loved nature and was glad I found like-minded peers to chill with. Well, there were six of us passing the J around and then four of them left with mad munchy cravings and that left me and my friend whom we'll call M. So M and I, being young ladies and roomies, were actually aware of the silence in the woods just away from the boardwalk trail. She and I were giggling over a cute guy friend of ours when we heard a deep wheeze. I jumped and looked around, and saw a silhouette of a person near us up to the top of the wooded trail about 15 feet from the entrance of the boardwalk trail. I whispered to M, Do you see him? She nodded, not responding The J still burning in her hand. I told her to pass it, I damped it out with my saliva and hid it in my plastic spoof. Yes, by this time I had upgraded. I was freaking out. It's probably campus police or a random guy, or a random guy who wasn't a student. Again, we were both young girls, freaking this was going to be a bad situation. Boy oh boy. She and I stared this figure down. She held my hand and I tried to summon any and all courage I had. Any sense of high we had was absolutely gone. I felt cold sober as this thing, or person, began gliding towards us. He wasn't walking. There was no crunching of fall leaves behind this man's feet, no thump-thump of footfalls. There was no snaps of twigs as you would hear if someone were walking. He was coming closer and closer to us, the cool air not being what was sending chills at my spine. He could barely make out a pale face, no hair really on his head and he seemed older than a college student. My thoughts completely interrupted when I hear a very faint, Is this the way and just as quickly as this person had appeared, it was gone. I kid you not, this thing now disappeared. M grabbed my arm, making small scratches with her nails as we momentarily crapped ourselves. What was that? What just happened? Where did he go? He was just there. Where? where, where what, what was that? Em stammered out. My mind was racing a mile a minute. There was no way. I didn't believe in the paranormal that strongly at the time. I finally find my feet dragging her and myself near where the silhouette was and duck through the bush to the boardwalk, passing one, maybe two people trying to get away with their own debauchery but I didn't care. I felt like I couldn't breathe. We kept running to the next lamp and we stood underneath its brightness, thanking God for the peace of mind it gave us. We caught our breath and I looked at Em. What was that? She shuddered and stared back at me with a blank expression. Was that... could have been, you know, a ghost? I blurted out. Em shook her head and shrugged, saying, Nope, nope, nope. I I want to go. Let's go. I agreed, and we fast walked with segmented running to our dorm in pace. We had nearly forgotten about our experience until about eight months later. We get a campus email blast of remains found by a canine unit in the trails right by where we were that night. It was a man who had been missing and was just found. And they found more remains back there too. Em and I were freaked out, but it kind of made sense. Maybe he got lost in the cold or something and felt ill, and his spirit was stuck there because his remains were there and not put to rest. I don't know. But I do know We saw him that night, and he wasn't human. I work the graveyard shift at the wonderful Wally World. That means I see all the weirdos, drunks, and druggies, but this, this takes the icing on the cake. I'm a 20-year-old female. I by no means am a big girl, but I'm a loner. Most people leave me alone, hence why I work third shift. This night started as your average night does. Go to work, get told what to do, and start on it. This particular night I happen to be in the baby section. I keep to myself and power through stalking, listening to some sort of documentary as I do so. That's when I get stopped by a man. He was older, so I asked him if he needed any help. He informs me he is looking for a baby monitor for his wife. He doesn't know anything about them, though. I walk him over to where they are and start looking at them and comparing specs. I even pull up online reviews trying to help him make a decision. He finally decides he will come back with his wife. I give him the have a nice day and go to walk away. This is when it starts. This man decides now at 1am that this is the perfect time and I am the perfect person to pour his life story to. He tells me about how he is from Florida and he came up here to live with his mom because she isn't doing well. He tells me exactly where he lives and then it starts getting even more personal. He tells me about how he builds all these expensive bedroom sets and furniture sets and how he is really good at it. So good at it, he used to own his own company. But before that, he was a manager at another company that his buddy owned. The whole reason he left that company was because his wife was cheating on him. With his buddy. He wasn't mad about it though, he was just mad that she hid it from him. At this point, his wife leaves him for the guy and he starts dating a girl half his age. The entire time he feels like she is familiar and has seen her before but can never figure out why. Well, comes to find out that she was an adult film star. She steals a thousand dollars from him and leaves. He ends it all by saying he will never marry again. The conversation shifts again. He tells me about how he had totaled his truck last week It was raining and he was going too fast and slid off the road and hit a tree. He was really upset over it and didn't know what he was going to do or what kind of truck he was going to get. His truck was his baby and now he will probably get something cheap since he keeps wrecking his vehicles. He makes it very clear that he doesn't want something cheap because he's broke. Money isn't an issue for him, he just doesn't want to spend money. At this point, I want to point out I have done nothing to initiate this conversation and have not led into it at all. I have said maybe three words after I told him goodbye, and he keeps going, even though I add no commentary to the story. He also keeps edging closer and trying to touch me, which causes me to back up every few minutes and look nervously to my right where the doors to our back room are, and I keep seeing people walk in and out of, hoping to catch somebody's eye and they might help. Of course, nobody stops. My manager even sees this guy has me cornered and they don't stop. At this point is when things start taking a weird turn. He tells me he has cancer but it isn't serious and he isn't worried about it. He is more worried because his mom has cancer and he doesn't want anything to happen to her because he's a mommy's boy. He has never had to pay for anything his entire life he says. He tells me he was just arrested last month because his aunt had set him up. She puts pills that weren't his in his truck and had him set up so he couldn't claim inheritance money. He then informs me that this isn't the only time he's been locked up. He spent 35 years in prison because of money stuff. At this point, I've been standing here for 45 minutes to an hour and my friends are headed to lunch and stop to grab me. As soon as he sees these two guys walk up, he instantly makes up an excuse and leaves. Once he is gone, I start to realize a few things. This man said he was 50, he went to prison for 35 years, that would mean he was locked up at 15 and just got out, making everything else next to impossible. Not only that, but he wasn't even married and didn't have any kids. That's what really freaked me out, I'm pretty sure he was high as a kite as well. I hope I never see this man again and now if I'm late to lunch or break, I've informed people to make sure I'm okay, just in case. He comes looking for me again. I am an atheist, but I always had questions after this event. I am 26 now, but I was about 8 or 9 at the time and extremely active. I enjoyed climbing everything I could find. Any building, tree, or object that had something to grab onto and ascend myself, I was on it. I was with my friend who was around my age and we were playing in the backyard. The backyard met the driveway behind the house which was separated by an 8 foot tall, 2.5 meters privacy fence. The top of each plank creating the fence came to a sharp point, each plank meeting at a sharp angle leaving just enough space to slide a piece of paper through. On the other side of the fence there was a carport over the driveway. Being the energetic child I was, I would start on the carport side climb the carport and use my arms to move myself like a monkey across the top of the supports under the roof. I would then grab onto the fence and pull myself over between the one-foot gap of the fence and the top of the carport. I would then jump off the fence into the backyard and run inside and out of the back door leading to the carport and repeat this process. I had completed this successfully many times and my mother, being the busy mother she was, never thought this was dangerous or had any reason to worry. Since this behavior was not new for me, nor had I ever harmed myself doing this. From my continuous need to climb everything, I had built quite a bit of upper body strength for a child my age. No really, I had visible back muscles, not like a bodybuilder but definitely not fitting for someone my age. I need to explain my yard layout for the rest of the story to make sense. We had two backyards, the carport separated them, we were also a corner lot. So to the right of my house was the second backyard which was all grass and just had a shed. If you were standing in the carport looking over the fence to the right you would not only see this backyard but beyond the other side of the yard which was separated by another fence. Meaning that this second backyard was fully enclosed by a privacy fence. With this view you would also see a residential intersection and a little ways down the street as houses were still being developed in this residential area. I wanted to show my friend my ability to scale the carport and jump over the fence. Today, however, my judgment would fail me. As I was using my arms to pull myself across a beam that ran horizontal of the carport and towards the fence, my hands got into something that felt oily. I could not see my hands as they were clasped against the bar, but I knew that a drop from that high would hurt, so I had to keep moving until I at least reached the fence. Just as I was almost to the fence, I finally stopped. Out of reaction, I reached out to the fence in mid-fall. Now if you remember earlier, these fences are pointy and come to a sharp angle, creating a small gap between each fence plank of less than one sixteenth 16th of an inch. Grabbing onto the top of the fence was the worst mistake I had made. All in a split second, I fell further onto the top of the fence that I knew that I had grabbed and came to an immediate stop. Suspended in mid-air, only a second later to realize that yes, I did in fact grab that fence. But I was not at the top of the fence as I had planned. My pinky, and only my pinky, was wedged about a foot down the fence in between the one-sixteenth of an inch gap. The only thing that stopped me from the cross stud that ran along the length of the fence. I did not feel anything. I was just confused. On the third second... I screamed in terror at the realization of everything that just happened and must have been fueled with adrenaline. I pulled my entire little body up with my pinky being the only thing keeping me suspended in the air and threw my right hand towards the top of the fence, successfully grabbing onto the fence. I was able to then pull my weight off my pinky. I grabbed on and used my feet to brace against the 90 degree angle I was stuck on and screamed at my friend. which. Thankfully, I invited over that day to go get my mom. I wasn't crying or screaming anymore, I just knew that I needed to hold on. I wish that I could say I remained brave and didn't cry at all, but that would be untrue. As soon as I saw my mom come out of the back door, I began crying. She ran over freaking out and put herself under me so that I could sit on her shoulders and release the pressure off my pinky without holding myself up. She told my friend, who was bawling and completely freaked out, understandably, as we were children, to call 911. Despite this, he successfully called 911 and described our house. I know it's been long, but please bear with me as this is where the event happened. From my unfortunate position, I could see above the fence. I was the only one that could see over the fence. I could hear the fire truck and I saw it pull up at the wrong house. With my child mind, I honestly told my mom, I hope that truck is here for me. I know, who else would they be there for? So they must have seen my little head peeking above the fence and ran around to the alley where I was in the carport with my mother to assess the situation. The minute they got there, one firefighter grabbed the fence with all of his might and attempted to part the fence to release enough pressure for me to pull my pinky out. It was no use. He tried a second time, it was no use. They discussed over a matter of 30 seconds on how to fix the situation. Now, my house is a corner lot, so not only can I see over my fence from the carport, I can also see over the next fence, which is how I saw the fire truck coming down the street and where they parked. Using the same position I was in, I could see a solid black truck coming down the street. The firefighters, still discussing their options, and my mom, getting worn out from holding me, were all completely oblivious to this truck. The vehicle pulls right up to the side of my house and a black man gets out of the car and begins walking around the house towards the entrance of the car. I lose sight of him as he gets close to the fence and is rounding the first corner. Despite the situation I was in, my full attention was on this man. I'd never seen him before. I was not scared of him or worried. I just somehow knew he was coming over to help me. He rounded his side of the corner just as the firefighters left the carport heading directly towards the same corner to get what I assume was a tool to break or separate the fence. No sooner than the firefighters left back towards their truck, the unknown man walked around the same corner. At this moment, it is just me, my mom, and this black man. Without saying a word, he grabs the two fence planks and begins to pull the fence to separate it. I try to pull my pinky out, no success. He grabs the fence planks one more time and they bend, almost unnaturally. Try again, he says. My pinky slid out from between the planks with absolutely no effort. Y'all have a good day. He very plainly states as he walks back to the same direction he came, my mother showering him with thank yous and oh my gods. Just like last time, as soon as he rounded his side of the corner to leave the carport, the firefighters rounded the same corner with tools in hand to break the fence. They were shocked. They asked us how I got my pinky out. My mother explained to the firefighters, "There was a man that came out of nowhere and parted the fence. Did you not see him? You had to have walked right by him." No. I have no idea if they could see him or not. I knew that I could, but the moments that they would have seen each other, both the firefighters and the man, were close enough to the other side of the fence but they were concealed from my view. So while I know logically they passed each other, they would have had to. I don't know if they honestly couldn't see him or if they just overlooked him in their rush to free me from the trap that I was stuck in. When I looked up and over the fence as I was still sitting on my mom's shoulder, the man and his truck were both gone. I never saw the man again. The firefighters apparently never saw him in the first place and me and my mom were shocked at what just had happened. Honestly, he could have just been a man that saw a child and a bunch of firefighters and believed he could help, but that doesn't explain why the firefighters completely missed him. He also would have had hardly any information to run off of when he arrived. He would have seen some kid's head sticking up above a fence, two fences over, crying, and a fire truck with lights on, and just magically knew to stop and exactly where to go and what to do to fix it with no tools or anything all the while driving down a residential road, mind you. It just does not add up to a good Samaritan situation. There was a lot of information he would have needed beforehand and a way to get to my side of the fence without somehow being noticed by any of the firefighters on scene. Guardian Angel or not, that man saved me that day. So this story happened around two months ago to my friend, co-worker, we'll call her Kate. Kate and I have worked for about three years together and have a pretty close friendship. She's five foot six, a high school basketball player, and the type of person that loves horror, paranormal, scary, creepy movies and shows, and an avid adrenaline junkie and what have you. We realized we have around the same birthdays, only one day apart. So this year we planned this whole get-together dinner, bar hopping, and the occasional smoking, the night of her birthday bringing in mine. We agreed to meet at her place around 8.30 and figured where we go from there. It was about 7 when she had decided that before we go out for a long night, she would take her dog out for a walk, a lovable big pit bull named Jefferson Jackson. She lives around mostly elderly people, houses being remodeled, and two or three schools which you would think be one of the safest places to live. Not having much going on at late hours of the night. Kate started heading down towards the corner of her house, reaching the first gate that marked the beginning of the school. When she started to notice this dark, older model car start to slow down, almost reaching a stop right behind her. At first, she didn't really think much of it since it was still early. They were also in a school zone which kids could be trying to cross the street. Kate started walking around the gate to get towards the front of the school when the car started slowly following not far behind. She took a look back and saw that the car didn't have his car lights on at all. Being weird for it being almost pretty much dark and you need them to see at night, especially in a school zone. So she figured he could be waiting on his kids and didn't want to waste his car battery or blind anyone with his high beams. The only light that there was was coming from street lights. Being that she only saw what the street lights allowed her to see... The driver, which appeared to look like a middle-aged man you'd see in those murder thrillers that have a normal life yet has three girls tied up in his basement. Her dog had stopped and started doing the I'm about to poop circle as she noticed the car stopped as well. She started studying this creeper and could notice he was looking straight at her, so she gave him this don't mess with me or I'll kick you type stare when she realized her dog was pulling on his collar and starting to walk again. After cleaning up her dog's waist, she started to walk towards the end of the next corner to see that the guy was still slowly driving right behind. Not trying to show that she was getting kind of creeped out, she started to walk closer to her dog and held her phone up to her ear as if she was calling someone. At this point, it was almost time for me to get to her house, so she figured she would take a faster way back home so she could lose this creeper guy and him not find out where she lives. She began to cross the street to go back to where she came from when she saw the same car pull all the way up to the end of the corner and do an illegal U-turn and park. Her being the five-six lover of the horror adrenaline junkie went into fight or flight mode, grabbing her pepper spray, stood right up and decided she would give this guy a fight. As she stood there waiting for this guy to try his best to kidnap her, she noticed he was still parked. Confused as to what was about to happen she started to fast walk holding her dog's leash in one hand and her pepper spray in another. When she hit the end of the gate she knew her street was next which meant it was just a long shot home. She took one last look back before deciding this was it. She would be running and hopefully losing him. As she feared he was still slowly inching up towards the end of the gate not yet getting to her. When she saw he was beginning to roll down his window with something shiny in his hand, only the street lights could reveal. She took a deep breath and started to run, her dog running right behind. She looked back halfway through her street and began to see the hood of the car slowly turning towards her, when she ducked into one of the newly remodeled houses' bushes, hoping he didn't see. She held her breath, then hugged her gentle giant dog close, hoping he wouldn't make a noise or go off running. She began trying to call one of her older brothers when she stopped and realized it was probably a bad idea since she didn't know if the guy had gotten out of his car looking for her. So she started to count to a hundred. She grabbed the courage to speak through the bush and looked around, only the porch lights dimming the streets. As she peeked up, she saw the car reaching past her house towards the corner with its window down. She took the last of her fight or flight mode, grabbed her dog's leash and began to run that last stretch home. Let's just say we ended up staying in her room, smoking all night, until my birthday. I have very recently posted on here about my experience at a haunted hotel with my mom. Since that post, I have received a few requests to tell a few of my other stories as well as my mom's. I will start off with some of the things my mother and her employees have experienced while they're for work. The first story I remember being told by her was when I was a lot younger. She and two of her employees and friends, who for the sake of the story I'll call A and T, so they were all exploring the old hotel when they stumbled upon an old staircase. At the first sight of the staircase, my mom and A knew that they weren't supposed to be there, but T insisted they explore further. T headed up the narrow staircase and my mother reluctantly followed. As they were close to the top of the stairs, they were both overcome with dread, and even T started to feel like that they were doing something wrong. The next thing that they saw was what my mother described as a mist with a transparent face. My mom and T both ran down the stairs and A swears she saw the thing chase them. They all ran out of the stairwell and went to their rooms. They later found out that those stairs were once used by the servants years ago. I myself have been to those stairs and... There's just a sense of unwelcoming coming from them. This next story is from just a year ago when I went there for work. Before we arrived we were told that we would not be able to have our own normal room and instead received an upgrade that we would end up wishing we didn't receive. To paint a picture, when you walk into this suite there is a small foyer. On the left is the master and the right is another room. Mine, my mom's and co-worker's room that we all shared and straight on was a little living room. To get into this story, I had to share a bed with my mother while on my computer, who we will call S, slept in the bed right next to us. On the first night, I was laying in bed, unable to fall asleep while my mom and S were fast asleep. I'm laying there on my side when, suddenly, I hear what sounds like a bunch of people talking. I don't mean like five people. It sounded like a whole ballroom full of people. Now keep in mind it's around 11pm and we are far from any public part of the hotel, but again, it's late and most people are asleep. The next morning I tell everyone what I had heard and S tried to come up with some explanations while A, the same employee of my mother's from the previous story, decided to ignore the possibility of anything supernatural, as always. I ended up putting it in the back of my mind and we carried on our work day as normal. Later, during the day, my mother asked me to receive S's coat since we were heading out and because I was the youngest, so I could move faster. I agreed, annoyed, and sped walked back to our room. When I arrived, I felt very uncomfortable. I headed to our room and grabbed her coat from our closet. The whole time having the feeling that I was being watched, so I just decided to try and hurry up. As I was opening the door to our room, it felt like someone physically pushed me out of the room and the door quickly closed behind me. I got a sick feeling in my stomach and practically ran back to my mother. I told her to never make me go back into that room alone again but they all just shrugged thinking I was being dramatic. The last story and biggest story happened just the night after my incident. I fell asleep, no problem, and wasn't woken up to bumps in the night, which is very rare at this location. The next morning, however, S asked us if we were up at any time during the night. We all gave her a quizzical look and told her that we hadn't. She then proceeded to tell me something that really made me quietly freak out. She said that she was woken up around 3 a.m. to the sound of footsteps and people talking in the foyer of our room. She said she was confused but figured it was us. She then told us that the doorknob to our room started to turn and jiggle. She said hello, and all the noises stopped. This really freaked me out because it proved that I didn't imagine what happened the previous day and night. To start off with, I'm a 19-year-old female, and at the time of the story, I was around 15, I want to make it clear that I'm a very spiritual person and have had many encounters with paranormal before, but this one was the most terrifying yet. Every year for work, my mother has a convention at a hotel that was built in the late 1700s. The place is massive and overall elegant. Since her work has been going there for years, our family gets a discount whenever we want to venture there for vacation. This was my first time at the hotel and I instantly loved it. With me was my father, brother, and of course my mother. When we first got into our room, there was just a dreading feeling whenever I entered my room alone, so I tried to only go in there with my brother. We had a lot of fun eating gourmet food, getting a spa treatment, and wandering around the hotel grounds. I was outside one day with my camera and decided to take a picture of the main building. As I was looking through the camera, I noticed tiny windows at the top of the building. Nothing unusual just windows to the old maid quarters, my mom would say, but I still got a weird feeling from just looking at them and it didn't help that most of the windows were broken or even open in the dead of winter. One night after dinner, my mother and I decided to walk around the interior of the hotel while my brother and dad rested in the room. It was around 8 p.m. and there were very few people, especially a few strayed away from the main entrance. We took our time walking around and looking at various rooms, including a movie theater that we both refused to enter. Before we headed to bed, we decided to go back to the very top floor to look out some of the windows to get a better view of the town below. We entered the nearest elevator and pressed floor 16. As we were going up, my brother called to ask us where we were and my mom and him started chatting. All of a sudden, the elevator doors opened and we were both frozen in place. The door opened and we both got hit with an incredibly cold breeze along with a pitch black room. We both immediately press a different floor because we could sense that we weren't supposed to be there. I squeezed my eyes shut because I was so scared something was going to pop out at me. Suddenly the doors close and we both start to relax. But all of a sudden the numbers on the elevator's display panel starts going crazy. It was rapidly displaying 2 and various other numbers including those that weren't even listed as a button on the elevator. I got so scared and my mother and I were hanging on to each other in complete terror. By this time, my mother was off the phone with my brother and we had no idea what was going on. All of a sudden, the panel displays floor 15 and the doors open up. Not wanting to stay on the elevator, we decided to use the stairs. As we started making our way to the stairs, I start feeling a presence behind us. I let my mother know what I was sensing and she just tells me to not look back and to walk as fast as possible. That statement freaked me out even more because my mother usually doesn't feel that kind of energy. As we were making our way down the stairs I decided to look back and what I saw will stick with me forever. I saw a tall black mist like a shadow figure a few feet behind us. It didn't have any features and it seemed to stand still. We kept running until we hit the main floor and we could finally breathe. We decided to look at the elevator to see if the floor we selected had an employees only sign but it didn't. On our way back to our room we figured out that we must have accidentally made our way up to the old maid's quarters which sent chills up my spine. My mom also came to the conclusion that the cold air must have just been the winter air making its way through the broken and open windows. I agreed. But the cold air felt different from the crisp winter air from outside, but I could have just imagined that. When we got back to our room, my brother asked what happened and we told him the whole story. All of a sudden he looked at us with a weirded out look on his face and he told us that while on the phone with my mom when the elevator doors opened, he heard a bunch of whispers coming through our end. This freaked me out so much and I opted to sleep in my mother's room the rest of the trip. Nothing else happened during our vacation and we left a few days later. My mother still has her convention there every year and now that I'm employed with her, I go as well. I will not be naming the hotel its exact location to protect myself from any possible lawsuits. All names in the story have been changed to protect our privacies. This incident happened to me about five years ago. I was a front desk clerk at this chain hotel, and it was the simplest job I'd ever had. It was located off of a highway, so our guests are usually passerby families or truck drivers. It wasn't anywhere near the downtown area, so our guest capacity never hit its limit. The hotel was five stories high, but we usually only assigned rooms from the second to fourth floor for our guests. It was our hotel's effort to reduce the number of maids we need. The weird incident first happened on my second week at the job. I was assigned a night shift and it was slower than usual. My coworker Josh, was on his break and I just sat at the front desk watching YouTube videos on my phone. Suddenly the phone rang and pierced the silent lobby. Thanks for calling XXX, my name's Michelle, how can I help you? There was a slight pause on the other end and before I could say hello again, the person on the other end answered could you please connect me to Mr. X in room 517? He asked. He may be surprised, but it was actually quite common for people to call our hotel and ask to be transferred to one of our guests. Our hotel's policy stated we need to put the person on hold, call the guest, and ask if they were expecting a phone call. I placed the caller on hold, looked through our computer system, and realized that there was nobody in room 517. I picked up the phone again and told the caller that the last name was not on our guest list. The man didn't say a word and hung up the phone. About five minutes later, the phone rang again. I answered the phone and greeted the caller as usual. It was the same man who had called earlier. Could you please connect me to Mr. X in room 517? "Uh, I'm sorry, sir, I replied. But the person you're looking for is not on our hotel's guest list. You may have the wrong click. He hung up on me again before I could finish my sentence. Josh came back from his break minutes later. He smiled and asked me if everything was okay. I described what had happened in the past 15 minutes and his facial expression changed immediately. Next time you receive that call again just tell him, okay I'm connecting you now and hang up. That's the only way he will stop calling. Josh said. I pried and asked who the caller was and he just told me not to worry about it. As it was only my second week at work, I didn't want to come off as a nosy employee. I nodded and got back to my YouTube videos. A couple of weeks later, I was working the night shift again with another female coworker, Nicole. The phone rang and I happened to answer it. Could you please connect me to Mr. X in room 517? I placed him on hold and started looking through our guest list. It was then that I remembered that it was the same guy who had called a couple of weeks ago. I remembered what Josh had told me to do and decided to try it out. I answered the phone and politely told him, I'm connecting you right now, and hung up the phone. Nicole gradually turned towards me and asked, Room 517? I nodded and asked her what she knew about the caller. Nicole scanned the lobby to check for any guests in the lobby before signaling me to come close to her. We don't know who or what's been calling us, she whispered. He's been calling the hotel for over 10 years now. Apparently there was a Mr. X who stayed with us but died of a heart attack in room 517. We have no idea who's been calling. That creeped me out. I asked if Nicole had ever answered the guy's call and she said every front desk employee has received the call at least once. She then warned me never to lose my cool with the caller as a previous employee mysteriously quit his job a day after raising his voice at the caller. He became extremely ill and was bedridden for months. Throughout the five years working at the hotel, I've answered the call for room 517 about 50 more times. It was very frequent. I grew used to it and almost felt weird if he hasn't called for weeks. As far as I know, the hotel never contacted authorities for help. Our concerns were usually brushed off by the manager as prank calls it seemed unlikely for someone to prank the hotel for almost two decades. I recently spoke with Nicole about the phone calls, and she said her nephew, who currently works for the hotel, has received the call as well. But he said that it was a woman who asked for Mr. X in room 517. I tried researching about the guy who passed in room 517, but since it was such a common last name, my attempts were usually fruitless. And no... There were no reports or articles about someone dying in the hotel either. To this day, I still have no idea who's been calling for Mr. X in room 517. I'm a 16-year-old male and I live in the suburbs on the east coast in a town with a population of about 25,000 people. It was a normal night a couple of years ago. I don't remember exactly what I was doing that night except that I was on my way home when this happened. I was in the car with my dad and my little brother. My dad is an alcoholic and used to verbally and physically abuse my whole family and as much as I'd love to divulge into the horror of my upbringing, this is the only detail relevant because even though my father is now sober, I'm still very uncomfortable around him. But my little brother was too young to remember much from when he was abusive and is much closer with him. So when we ride in the car, my brother sits in the front with my dad, talking about whatever, and I sit in the back listening to music with my headphones falling into my thoughts while staring out the window. This night, while I was on my way home, was no different. I remember we were almost back, maybe about five minutes away, and we were coming up on passing a church, and I got immediate goosebumps when I laid my eyes on it. Then I was rushed with an overwhelming feeling of terror and couldn't look away from the church as we grew nearer and nearer, fearing something bad would happen if I did. Now, I listen to horror story narrations, read all kinds of things on Reddit, love horror movies, go to every haunted house in my area, and spend lots of time outside late at night when the weather permits it, going to the woods and abandoned places with my friends, so... This unexpected feeling of terror on a completely normal night, surrounded by what I knew as the safe place I grew up in, was very unusual. As we get nearer to the church, I see two deer in front of it on the lawn. One is laying on its side, the other is standing, and it has its head bent towards the other's stomach. The deer on its side is dead, and the other deer has giant black horns that almost look like the horns on the helmet Hela wears in the Marvel movie Thor Ragnarok. They were absolutely massive and it looked like the deer shouldn't have been able to support their weight. I'm frozen in fear when I realize the one standing up is devouring the dead one as we pass by it. It looked up at me straight in the eyes. It felt cold and angry and I knew any intentions this thing had were malicious. This is weird but locking eyes with it almost made me feel like it knew me. Like it stared inside my soul and explored every nook and cranny in my brain. Thinking about the feeling still sends a shiver down my spine because it was so unnatural, uncomfortable, and terrifying. But you could say that to describe everything about this creature. The skin had begun to rot off its face and I could see parts of its skull. It had sharp, shiny teeth and was covered in blood. My father and brother didn't notice anything and thought maybe I was seeing things, but that primal fear convinced me it was real because I've never felt any kind of fear as real as what this felt like. I was truly scared for my life and those few moments passing by this thing I could feel its rage. It was almost tangible and it felt awful. I knew that it wanted to kill anything or anyone and it would do anything for the satisfaction. I believe me noticing its presence made me its next immediate target which would explain why I was the only one affected by its presence. My father and brother both unalarmed enough to not even notice it. But thank God I was in the car and we passed it And that night went on as usual. I couldn't stop thinking about it though, so I went to the church the next day early in the morning and I found the dead deer. All of its fur was skinned off and it had a huge hole in it and upon looking inside, I saw that its body was completely hollow. No blood, no organs, no nothing. But it wasn't flat, it looks like everything was still intact, that it just died and had no fur. It was gone before the day was over. I still have no idea what happened that night, but I haven't seen anything similar since this, and I don't know if it was a skinwalker or not. All I know is that it scared the life out of me, and I hope I never see anything like it again. I work as a manager for a well-known video game retail store in a small area outside of a major city in Texas. I've worked there for about six months now and have a book full of weird, creepy guys that come in, but all of them in the end are harmless. That is, until about a week ago. My store only has about four employees most of the year. My store leader, assistant store leader, and another guy who is the same position as I am, but hasn't been there as long. Since we have such a small staff, I usually end up working my shifts during the week by myself. I usually love morning shifts because it feels safer and less weirdos come in. This particular day was pretty normal. The mail guy brought in our deliveries and maybe one or two people came in to browse. Then a tall guy about my age came in. For reference, I am 5'2", so this guy towered over me. He went straight to the shelf and picked up a Harley Quinn beanie and then headed straight to my register. I asked if this was all he needed today and he said yes. I asked if he had an account with us and he said he needed to look up the number and then said, are you just going to stare at me while I do this? It took me aback but I just tried to laugh it off his weird humor. He kept making very weird jerkish comments while I rang him up. I don't remember what he said next but he said my name. I didn't think anything of it and kept finishing his transaction He paid off his pre-order for the new Red Dead game and his beanie and started talking to me about what all comes with the edition he ordered. He then again said my name like he wanted me to hear it. He said it and that's when I realized I didn't have my name tag on. Also to add, I had never seen this guy before and am pretty good at remembering customers. He kept talking about the game in which he said my name an odd amount of times until I finally said, How do you know my name? He very quickly replied, you just look like a tailor. What? I don't have my name tag on. Have we met? He responds. I never met you before in my life. Well have a good day, Taylor. Then he left. I was so taken aback and kind of creeped out so I sent a text to my store's group chat to see if anyone knew him. None of them did. Later that day I just put that in the back of my head and was clearing out the area where we keep items that customers put on hold when I see the same Harley Quinn beanie with the guy's name on it. He had tried to buy it days earlier, but our machine was broken. I asked my boss about it, and he said that the guy barely comes in and hadn't been in our store in a really long time. This freaked me out even more, as it solidified that I did not know him. Also, this may be just a weird coincidence, but I'm a huge Harley Quinn fan. I even have a tattoo, and it just seems so creepy that he bought that the day this happened. I had another encounter with him and this happened about two days ago now. We have to call people when we are having a midnight launch for a game and since he pre-ordered the new Red Dead Redemption game, I had to call him. My boss told me if I was uncomfortable then he would do it but I told him I could manage it. I dialed the number praying it would go to voicemail. He answers. I tell him it's the store calling to let him know that we are having a midnight launch and how he could pick up his game. This sounds weird but I can hear him smiling and a small laugh before he laughs and says thank you Taylor. It doesn't seem that creepy over the text but the way he said this gave me such a chill. He hung up and I just sat there trying to think of how he knew me or if I had met him before. I know I haven't met him. I'm a pretty paranoid person in general so I keep just trying to tell myself it's nothing to worry about. As a side note, I have major anxiety and PTSD from an incident that happened when I was younger. This makes me more alert to the way people act and talk, especially men. This may not seem weird to someone reading this, but the way this man talked to me went from being so rude to being so cocky and creepy, like he knew he had power over me. I have had customers hit on me before or trap me in a conversation before, so I'm used to encounters like that, but this guy made me so uncomfortable that... I can't get it out of my head, so maybe writing this will at least let me forget it. Working by myself a lot makes this even more worrying for me. I wish I could just put this away as a weird experience and it was overacting, but... Unfortunately, I know I'll have to see him again at launch. Luckily, my coworkers will be there later in the day. Now, I made my first post just a few days ago, and since then, things have gotten even weirder. This guy came back into my store today. I was working alone in the morning again and he came to pick up his game. He didn't really say a lot at first and I was in a way relieved because I did not want to have another creep encounter with this guy. I finish up his transaction and tell him to have a good day. He then leans on the counter and says, How are Sammy and Benny? These are the names of my cats. I froze and could only squeak out, Excuse me? He then repeated himself and my stomach immediately dropped. I did not know this guy, and how does he know not only that I have cats, but their names? To be fair, I do talk about my cats a lot, but I know I have never told this guy. I looked at him in the eyes and say, Okay, I don't know you, and you know my name and cats. How do you know all that? I was angry at this point, and all my customer service politeness left me. He is staring at me blankly and says to me, I guess it's just, uh... Lucky guess. I'm getting increasingly nervous and scared but I manage to say, No. That's before he says, Have a good day, Taylor. And leaves again. My boss is on vacation and won't be back for a week so it's just me and my co-workers. I lock the store for about 15 minutes and text all my co-workers about him and to be on the lookout. Then I just crumble into tears on the floor. I so hope this is the last time I have to deal with him but I fear that it's not. It's holiday season so we have a bunch of new employees and I won't have to work alone for the next few months. Hopefully this keeps his weirdness away. Coworkers know his name and what he looks like now and he is not. Welcome back. In my country, it's tradition that seniors get to go on a five-day school trip. So this acquaintance, Hope, went with her school abroad to Spain. At the fourth and last night of the trip, she with her school went to a club. She was generally a very carefree, borderline wild person, so making out with complete strangers in the club wasn't something serious for her. And so she did. A 20-something-year-old man, upon seeing her, asked her to buy her a drink, as in my country, the legal drinking age is 18, and given her personality, things quickly escalated to a full-blown makeout session. The guy, though, was getting too touchy for her liking, so eventually she told him she doesn't want to continue. Surprisingly, he didn't take it to heart as he was pretty chill about it, and he still asked her to go to his place with him. She quickly explained that she was on a school trip and she wasn't allowed to leave the club. Again calmly he wrote on the receipt of his drink his address and number and gave it to her in case she changed her mind. He left after that and she quickly forgot about it. Upon arriving back with her school almost a week after the trip some very bizarre looking pimples make their way around the area of her mouth. They were big and infected. As the days progressed the pimples stayed even getting worse at some point. She went to a dermatologist quickly after she realized those pimples weren't the traditional ones almost every teenager has. The dermatologist told her to do some further examination because the areas were seriously infected. She followed the doctor's orders and waited for her results. When the results came back, the doctor had a very severe expression and asked her if she did something peculiar the last days. She replied that no, she just returned from her school trip. He then proceeded to ask her whether she had kissed anyone on her trip. She confirmed his assumption and it was then the doctor told her that the area was infected with microbes found in dead bodies. I'm 15 and I was playing some video games before passing out. It was about, say, 11pm when I heard the doorbell ring. Out of instinct, I began walking downstairs, but about halfway there, rationality came to mind. Who rings a doorbell at 11pm? I silently strode back upstairs and stood in the hall, kind of expecting something bad to happen. An exact minute later, it rings twice. My parents begin to leave their room and give me a quizzical look and all I had to respond was a shrug. Then he starts banging on the door. My mother jumps at the first bang and my father's eyes widened, but more in confusion than fear. He decided to go downstairs and peep through the view hole. It was our neighbor. My dad hesitantly opened the door and I could hear my father's voice trembling. Hey, what do you need? Next thing I hear is a full-blown screaming argument from our neighbor, claiming that this household was his and we stole it from him. My father's uneasiness was quickly replaced with annoyance and he simply shut the door without giving our neighbor the time of day. My dad stepped on the first step going up the stairwell when our neighbor first hit the door. I'm not talking about banging with a fist. This man was full body slamming it. My father was stunned for a second and my neighbor charged the door again. This time we began to hear the splintering of wood. Everyone reacted at once. My father went to brace the door with his body, my mother went to go get the other two kids and I went for 911. The body slamming ensued for another 5 minutes and while I was on the phone with 911 it stopped. I thought it was over and I was relieved but I still stuck on the phone. I go peek out the front window of my house and boy was it only getting started. Our neighbor took his Jeep Wrangler and simply directed it straight at our house. We had zero clue what he was doing until we hit the gas and we heard the squealing of tires. Then he immediately hit the brakes. He was trying to scare us out of the house. I was still on the phone with 911 and I stepped away from the window to comfort my siblings, crack jokes and such. Eventually, police arrived and arrested him. The next morning I left for school, still shaken from the night before. I stepped on our front steps and saw tire marks leading up to our front door. The lunatic actually nearly rammed our door down with his car. I never found out if he was mentally ill or on something, though it really seemed like it and I never want to see this guy again, but the unfortunate part is that he lives directly to my right. This was about five years ago now, about halfway into my unicourse. I was living in a shared house with this harmlessly useless stoner and nothing short of a bomb would disturb him up at night. The house was on a fairly well-trafficked road on a route between several local pubs. I had essentially the entire lower floor of a three-tier house, basically it was a luxury basement with ground-level windows looking up onto the front door. Like any good student, I stayed up late frequently chatting and playing games with friends online. It was about 3 in the morning when I went to bed but about half an hour later I heard frantic slamming on the front door. My first thought was that my housemate maybe had been out, hadn't seen him that day, he had some pretty sketchy friends that I tried to avoid and had forgotten his key. This was a pretty common occurrence and I'd frequently come home to him sat outside waiting for me to let him in. I took a quick look up at the window but couldn't see anything in the dark. All the while the hammering continued. I went up and opened the door, dazed, confused and pretty cross, only to find this very drunk middle-aged woman. She was barely able to stand or make a sentence and in hysterics. Genuinely concerned, I make the mistake of asking what's wrong and she proceeds to ramble on about having lost her belongings following some sort of argument. She says she can't get home so she'd been knocking on all the houses along the street but no one would let her in. She starts pleading with me to let her sleep in my house for the night and although she's clearly vulnerable, that's not happening. By this point though I'm pretty scared she'll crack a window though or something if I just shut the door on her. She seemed pretty volatile and my bedroom windows were cracked. Single glazed panes. Gotta love student housing at kicking height. Somehow I convince her to let me pay for a taxi instead, however given the condition she's in I feel it's safer for both me and her if I call the police. I ask her to wait on the step while I go get my phone and then quietly call the police. I explain the situation and they say they'll send someone ASAP. I return to the lady and as cheerfully as I could say the taxi's on its way, then spend the next excruciating half hour trying to keep her calm I sympathetically listened to her switch between talking about whatever argument she had and her ranting on about how people were terrible and that no one in the world cared anymore. Eventually, the police car pulls up, at which she turns around furiously, accusing me of lying, I did, and calling the police, like any sane human. For a moment, I'm terrified that she's going to go for me, and really wished as a small girl, barefoot in a fuzzy red dressing gown, that my six-foot dodgy housemate had been there to back me up. Thankfully, two very large and very kind policemen get out at that point and gently convince her that they were driving that way anyway, saw the commotion, and that they would give her a free ride home instead of getting charged a bomb by the taxi. As they walked away, one of the guys explained that she was well known to them and that they would make sure she was safe that night. Thankfully, I never had another incident involving her, despite it being a fairly small town, and nothing worse happened than me being a little shaken up for the rest of the night. I have, however, moved back here to live with my now boyfriend, not the stoner, a sweetheart who prefers his herbal mixes and tea bags instead, and a crush I had on my course, so it's entirely possible we could meet again. Hopefully by now, though, she's getting a bit better in life we all have a rough times and I hope she's okay. The kicker is, my housemate was in and he slept through the entire thing. He was generally bemused when I told him and said he hadn't heard a word. To start off, I'll just give a bit of background. Every Friday, me and a group of friends would meet up at a friend's house basement to watch movies and just hang out. My house was a couple of houses down in a street that curves slightly, so from my friend's house, you couldn't see my house, but it was within the same block. I was 16 at the time, and normally another friend who was making his way home would walk me back, but he didn't go this particular Friday. It was sometime around 9, and I decided to walk back home, gave my mom a quick call before I left, and mentioned I would be heading home soon. When I left my friend's house there was a group of guys hanging out outside. I didn't think much of it since it was normal for people to be hanging out around this time in the area. As I make my way down a couple of houses I feel like I'm being watched but don't think much of it until I am being surrounded by a bunch of guys who look to be about 18 to 21. Truthfully I didn't know what to do. So I just kept walking and trying to get home as they said things to me and started getting closer. At some point I stopped, scared as they closed in on me within sight of my house. I couldn't even scream of how terrified I felt when I heard a scream yelling for them to get away. Apparently my mom got a feeling to look out the window and I'm so glad she did. She screamed for my dad to go out and he did getting between me and them. He just told me to run inside the house. The creeps ran away while grabbing a metal garbage can top and throwing it at us, landing on top of our car in the driveway. That dent always reminded me of how lucky I was. So a few weeks ago I was up late and wide awake and realized I hadn't eaten dinner. It was around midnight and I wasn't in the mood for drive through and hadn't done grocery shopping, so I decided to go to my local 24-hour Walmart for a frozen pizza and some ice cream. I'm clearly single. My city is very middle class, very quiet, very suburbia, so I was really not feeling at all concerned about going. I got to the store and then sat in my car for a minute, checking a text I'd received while driving. I saw something out of the corner of my eye but initially ignored it. I'm in a parking lot. Of course there will be movement. However, some gut feeling made me look over and I noticed someone was, like, straining to catch a glimpse of me. Now, this isn't abnormal because I actually have a shaved head and am a woman and I get a lot of looks for it on a regular day, especially living in suburbia. People are always drawn to take an extra glance at the unusual and I see people all the time doing the scan because they want to figure out if I'm a guy or a girl, if I'm sick... Why have a shaved head? I'm not punk or alternative and I definitely appear healthy so I understand to a point the confusion or stares. I don't get that weirdness in the city but that's besides the point I guess. So as I glance at him quickly I give the old half smile. We both are acknowledging each other so you can stop now, nonverbal thing. My state is pretty passive aggressive so that's a thing here. He quickly looks away. I go back to my text. A tingling feeling on the back of my neck makes me look over and now I'm really creeped out. He's really staring at me now and now that I'm looking closer I see the way he's staring is not at all out of curiosity. I look at his eyes and they're dead and blank and menacing all at the same time if that makes sense. Something about his eyes sent ice through my gut. I can see he's in a rusty truck full of weird stuff and dirty plastic bags. And has a giant smear of what looks like blood all over the passenger door, like old dried blood. I grew up in a family of hunters. I know the sight of blood when I see it, and there was a lot of it. I just had all my instincts screaming that something was terribly, terribly wrong. This all takes about thirty seconds, I'm guessing. To describe his looks, his face is kind of similar to Warren Jeffs. Not that that matters, just painting the picture. I should mention he wasn't blinking. He was really straining to see me. He held up his phone without looking at his phone and still not blinking and flash. He's just taking a picture of me. I'm scared at this point. My fingers and knees are trembling and I push down on the brake and it takes me a few tries to push the button to start the car. He takes another picture. He starts his truck. I drove right out of the parking lot and onto the main road. He's following me and I debate calling the police. I'm about to call when I realize he's not behind me anymore. Okay, I'm fine. Everything is good. It's fine. I took the long way back to the store. Yes, back to the store. Apparently I'm incredibly stupid, I don't know. I get to the store a little jumpy, but he's not around. I'm inside with my basket, I have my pizza, and I'm now browsing for the pint of ice cream I'd like. I see another flash. I turn. It's him. At the end of the aisle, he's still holding his phone up weirdly without looking at it. His clothes are incredibly dirty. I'm angry and I now yell, I'll screw this dude because I get aggressive when I'm scared. I slammed the freezer door shut and began stomping toward him even though I was terrified to try to scare him off and it worked a little bit. He ran off. The ice cream is near the registers, so I grab a random pint and very quickly hustle to the register. He wasn't behind me. I start ringing up and look behind me and he's in the women's clothes which is right behind the register. He has his hand on a pile of shirts and he's kind of fingering and rubbing the shirt on top and looking at me. I told the cashier as quickly and quietly as I could what was happening and she called the MOD who I guess called the police. She advised me to stay by her. He must have gathered what was happening and scampered off. By the time the police arrived he was gone and my shock had worn off and I was visibly upset. The police not only walked me to my car but followed me home, it's not far, to make sure I wasn't followed by the creep. I'll never go to that store again and I've been getting so creeped out coming home at night. I live alone half the time and my daughters live with me the other half of the time. I still don't feel safe. This happened a few weeks ago. I recently graduated from college with a degree in biology, but decided to take a minute for myself before applying to medical school. My school was in a dangerous area, and I still rent in the area because my roommate is a master's student at the same university. We live about five blocks off of campus on a street where you wouldn't want to be caught alone at night. One day, I was by myself in our apartment jamming to some tunes, and I heard banging on the door. This was odd to me because my apartment is a row home style apartment with two other apartments below me and a front door which I had most certainly locked behind me when I entered the building about 10 minutes prior. It was also concerning because I'm a 5 foot tall woman and currently alone. Since we live on the top floor nobody but my roommate and I are ever up on the third floor and I had not recently submitted a maintenance request. I turned the music off and sat still for a moment waiting to see if anything happened again. The banging started once more. Now, I recognized that this was stupid, but I walked to the front door and opened it the tiniest crack to see a large, dirty, heavy-set man with a beard on the other side. I asked, Can I help you? And he looked me in the eye and said, I'm here to fix the air conditioner leak. You need to let me inside the unit so I can make the repairs. My management company only has one regular maintenance worker who I was familiar with and I had never seen the man standing at my door previously. He took a step forward while I quickly said, wrong place, and slammed and locked the door. Initially, I wasn't too concerned because maybe he's in the wrong place. I emailed my landlord to ask about maintenance reps in the areas, to which he replied, the company has an HVAC technician out today, but none to your address. What did he look like? After describing him as a large, heavier white man with a full beard, she responded, That was not our HVAC rep. He is a small thin man and I'm not sure who was out there. And I'm worried about my safety because clearly someone has keys to our building and even my management company can't account for who he may have been. They will also not change the front door lock. So I'm kind of on my own with this one. Six years ago, I had just graduated nursing school and had not gotten my certification yet, so while I studied and waited for my test date, I worked as a CNA. I was living with my fiancé, who was now my DH, but he had just graduated from school with his sports broadcasting degree and was working a paid internship, which paid like crap. So we were living in a one-bedroom apartment in a not-so-great neighborhood. The complex also was Section 8 housing, as well as housed offenders when they got out of local prison, something we did not learn until after we had already lived there for a few months. However, we befriended many of the residents, our neighbors to the right, a young single mother on Section 8 with two kids who worked two jobs, became a very good friend. We still keep in contact with them to this day. Our neighbor to the left was an ex-con, a guy named Raymond that worked at a bakery, He often brought us bread and donuts that he had gotten from work. Then Jake moved in. He resided in the unit across from us. I was home the day he moved in. I was outside our apartment, sitting in a folding chair reading a magazine, enjoying the nice spring day. First thing I noticed was that he had an electric monitoring bracelet on. He also was a scary looking guy. He was only 5'8", but had long greasy blonde hair, a pockmarked face, and his facial tattoos put Post Malone to shame. He saw me sitting there as he moved things into his house and he came over to where I was sitting. I grabbed my magazine to go into the house and he started talking to me. Just polite things and so I decided to be nice even though my red flag meter was going off. He introduced himself as Jake and I gave him my nickname. Not my actual name but what others call me. He started asking me if I lived alone and other more personal things. So I gave a hasty answer of no my fiance lived here as well. And excuse myself. I noticed he was still standing out there just staring at my door, so I quickly closed the shades and went to watch TV. Later on when my fiancé was home, I told him about Jake and how he was staring. My fiancé told me just to be careful and that he would walk me in from work as we both left at the same time. For a while, things were good. I never saw Jake and I think fiancé ran into him once. Then I ended up passing my nursing exam I also got a better paying job. Fiance was hired by the network he was interning for. Things were looking up and we found an apartment we could afford in a nicer part of town with a doorman and everything. We bid adieu to the complex and the friends we had made there and moved into our new place. I thought my days of ever seeing Jake again was over. One day while working my job in the busy ER, I saw a familiar face. It was Jake. He had taken an overdose of meds and was on a 24-hour observation. There was not a room available for him, so he was kept in the ER. I went in to take his vitals and he recognized me. He then went off on me about how I had moved out without saying goodbye and how much he missed me. Just crazy things being that we barely knew each other and had really only talked that one time. I explained myself to the charge nurse and she got someone else to babysit him as I didn't feel comfortable. After my shift I headed out to my car and I was about to get in when I saw Jake walking briskly towards me. I got in my car, locked the car and started it by the time he made his way over. He started hitting the car, banging my trunk and slapping the windows shouting at me to open the door. I drove off but not before he got one good kick to my bumper. I was terrified to go to work and for a while I insisted that security escort me to and from my car. Three months had passed with no sign of Jake I started realizing and I started walking to and from my car by myself. One day I am heading to my car when someone bumps into me like they were trying to bump my hip but I am tiny, only 5 foot 2 and was 110 pounds at the time so I lost my balance and went flying. I twisted my ankle and I am grabbing it when I look up ready to tell whoever did it off when I see it's Jake. His hair had been cut but he looked manic and he was staring weirdly at me. I hit the panic button on my car, and he took off running. After that, I went to the police. I got a restraining order against him. He ended up breaking the restraining order by approaching me again at work, and this time thankfully when I was around several other co-workers. He ended up going to jail for breaking the restraining order and breaking parole. He was released last year according to his parole officer who contacted me. Thankfully, We live a state away from there now and he never knew my full name. I had a stalker growing up. She lived in my neighborhood with her parents. Note, she's an adult living with her parents, not a child. I used to ride my bike around the neighborhood and would always pass her house. Every time I passed her house I would notice that she would come outside and watch me. If she wasn't already there that is. I never thought anything of it because I was young. Her watching me turned into her trying to talk to me. But of course I would ignore her because I didn't know her. Then she would follow me wherever I rode my bike. Now I was getting freaked out. Why was this woman who I didn't know following me? That turned into her following me to my house asking if she could come in. I eventually stopped riding my bike altogether so this lady stopped doing what she was doing. I'm 14 now and still living in the same neighborhood. She's back. It all started with her coming to our door and knocking on it. I remember her and immediately freaked out. Her knocking turned into her banging and violently shaking at the doorknob whilst yelling. She knew our names. She yells hi to me and my mom's name. I have no clue how she knows our name neither me or my mom have ever spoken to her in our lives. The only way she would know our names is if she asked the neighbors that knows us or the landlord which is really creepy. Why couldn't she have just asked us ourselves for our names? One night my mom was getting ready to head out to do the laundry at the laundromat near our house. My mom unlocks the door and then goes into the living room where I am. The lady had pushed the door open, came into our house and started to walk into the living room. My mom yelled at her and pushed her out slamming and locking the door. This must have meant that she was waiting for the door to be unlocked or waiting for one of us to come outside or it could have been a coincidence but I don't know. My mom left eventually and as she was walking into the laundry mat, the lady was walking behind her but my mom noticed and slammed the door so she couldn't get in. It was 12am at this point. I was folding the clothes and I hear banging on the door and what do you know of course it's her again. I check the peephole and I can see her running away, as if she knew I was there. Now it was maybe 2 or 3am, I was in the living room again. I hear something moving in the grass behind the house. I check to see what it is and it was the lady. She ran away as she saw me look at her. This has been happening every night since then. I've also been hearing a few people stand in front of our yard, talking to each other quite often late at night, but I'm not sure if this has anything to do with this woman or not. I think this might be happening to our neighbors as well because I heard them talking about a stalker a couple of times. I remember them saying something along the lines of, Go away you neighborhood stalker. I have no idea why this started up again but I wish it hadn't. Currently, I attend a university in a small town here where there's many college students, but it's hard to really build a connection. So, my friends and I decided to try Tinder for a few weeks because we wanted to meet guys. After talking to some guys, I found a guy named Josh who had just graduated with a degree in computer engineering and was really funny. I knew deep down inside I wouldn't have any romantic relations with him, so I kept it casual. At some point, I told him I was deleting Tinder, so we exchanged numbers and continued texting for a few days. Slowly, I started losing interest in him and stopped replying to his messages. Occasionally after that, he would text me, but I wouldn't reply. Yeah, I know. Not so nice. Eventually, I moved on from him and planned to go to another guy's house one night. My friend wanted to meet up earlier that night, so I stopped at the gas station to buy us some snacks. While there I got a text from Josh asking me why I was at a certain gas station with a boy. I was super confused because I was alone so I asked if he was there too. He didn't reply so I brushed off his comments and went about my night. Fast forward a few days later, I became curious about his comment and texted him back about it. He disregarded my question and continued the conversation as normal. We continued texting and agreed to meet up at his place to hang out. Before class one day, I decided to go over to his house and hang out. I met him and he looked entirely different from his pictures. It was like he was a catfish. I was definitely confused but decided to still give him a chance. He later admitted that the picture was two years old. After talking for a little bit, things got heated and we started undressing. Then, you know, things happened. After we were done and just laying in bed he started telling me about his cool inventions and how he was able to program the lights in his room to his phone. Then I asked him what else he is able to do using his softwares and he mentioned how he was able to access my phone and view me through my phone a few weeks back. I wanted to make sure that you weren't a catfish so I looked through your camera on your phone to see you, Josh said. I was so mortified but I had to act natural so I can find out what other things he was capable of doing so when I was at that gas station that night, were you able to track me? I asked him. He then proceeded to admit to me that he's been able to access my messages and that's how he knew I was meeting a guy that night. Mind you, I'm naked in this bed with this guy while he's telling me this. I then proceeded to tell him that I had to go to class and attempted to put my clothes on. He then persuaded me to continue whatever we had going on, but the look on my face clearly stated I was ready to go. It continued to insist, but I said, I think we're done here, and got up to finish putting my clothes on. Josh then asked if I wanted to meet at my house on 24th Street next time. Baffled by his statement, I told him that I don't live there anymore. Josh then called me a liar and said, Don't lie to me. I know you live on 24th. I then persisted that I moved, and I hadn't been at that address for a few months now. Creeped out by his comments, I started putting my clothes back on while he told me that it's easy for anyone to access my IP address, so it wasn't anything serious. I couldn't believe he was trying to convince me that his actions weren't severe after he just admitted to invading my privacy. After convincing him that I was late for class, I quickly left his place without raising suspicions that I was creeped out. Later that week, he texted me that he fell for my personality and wanted to meet again. As soon as I received that message, I told him I didn't want to see him anymore and then blocked his number in hopes of forgetting him forever. It's been a few months since that incident and he hasn't tried to contact me which I hope is a good thing. This story happened many years ago. I was 19 years old and lived with my parents at home in a fairly bad neighborhood. At the time I had a very large loving dog that was half Great Dane and half English Mastiff who was the sweetest little angel you could have ever meet, but huge. We were talking over 5 feet on her hind legs and well over a 100 pounds. It was late one night and I decided that the middle of the night was when I wanted to go to a local 24 hour grocery store to get a few snacks. At the time I didn't own a car but I did have a license and my father had a car. Since I was young I figured I could take the car, drive the few miles to the store, pick up my snacks and be back having the car in the driveway before anyone knows I'm gone. The only issue was I knew my dog would start barking and crying if I left her alone while I went to the store. So I decided that I would take her with me and leave her in the car. Since it's the middle of the night so it's not going to be hot and all will be well. I get to the store, get out and pick up a few snacks, pay the total and head back to the car. It's the early 2000s and my keys are on a lanyard around my neck. As I am walking quickly towards my father's car, I notice in my peripheral vision there's a man who had gotten up from a bench on the side of the building. I heard him say something but I don't turn around and have no clue what it is. I start to quicken my pace and wonder if I'm being paranoid. By the time I opened my car door, this man was in a full sprint towards me. No keyless entry system or alarm. I slam the car door shut, and before I can even lock the door, I see a hand slam on my window, full palm. In the next split second, my beautiful, amazing, huge dog lunges from the passenger seat across my driver's seat towards the window. With teeth and barking, I had never seen her act like that then I hear some obscenities from the man before he disappeared off into the darkness. I got home safe that night and nothing came of it. The neighborhood the stores are located in are notorious for panhandlers and theft and robberies, so I can't tell for sure what that person wanted from me, if they would have hurt me or if I was just overreacting. What I can tell you is that I'm very glad that I had my guardian angel with me that night. This happened about four or five years ago when I was a cashier at a pharmacy chain. This pharmacy is not in the greatest part of my small midwestern town. It's at the worst part of a deserted shopping plaza just in front of a trailer park that has all kinds of issues. It wasn't a bad job, paid the bills and whatnot. I even was on a first name basis with a good chunk of our customers due to it being the only pharmacy in the area and the next one a good 20 minute drive north. We had a lot of regulars. Being unmarried and childless, I was put on a lot of closing shifts. There were always at least two of us in the store at a time, so if I couldn't handle the drunks and the meth heads, I could always call on the closing manager for backup, or so I thought. A group of guys from the trailer park were in buying several cans of cheap tall boys to take back to the park. I knew them, but not well. One of them, despite being married, was always really flirty with any of the poor women working the register, that night, he cranked it up to 11 and kept telling me that I was going to go out with him. I kept turning him down, but he kept insisting. I ran to the phone to page my closing manager, telling them that since there were four of them, I needed to call for register backup. I didn't realize that she had gone to the walk-in cooler and couldn't hear anything. I felt trapped with this guy and his buddies who were egging him on. I was so close to tears and kept insisting that no, I wasn't going to go out with him and that I was engaged. He offered to wait until the end of my shift to show me a good time. Thankfully someone else came up to the line and it was the man who ran security for all the events at my old high school. He chased them off and stayed with me until my manager came out of the walk-in. When we locked up for the night I made a beeline for my car and raced home. To this day I never let my guard drop when I walk alone into my car. So this is an ongoing situation, but it just went from annoying to seriously creepy. There's a maintenance guy at the office building I work at. He is hired through the landlord of the building, not our company. We call him Bob. Bob is an older guy, maybe late 50s, and a former heroin addict. I use quotes because we're all pretty sure Bob still occasionally indulges in the habit. He is very socially awkward and his mannerisms and way of speaking are strange. He talks really slow and pauses in places where pauses don't make sense, or trails off mid-sentence. He also gets super close when he talks to you and makes intense eye contact or stares at me through our huge front window that happens to be in front of my desk. So, overall, mildly creepy guy. He has done some weird things in the past, like gave me his personal number, bought a coworker a $200 wedding gift, and had it delivered to her. I work with all women." The staring at people through the window and he gave me a toy riding horse thing for my son. The kind that's on springs that rocks back and forth and asked me personal questions about my marriage and tried to ask me to go on a date with him. I also found my car door open and a bunch of my stuff, like paperwork and some perfume and makeup I keep in my center console, moved around once when he was here. Today, he comes in the front office and just kind of stands there after saying hi. I ask my coworker if I can go out and have a smoke and she says yes. I go get in my car and kept the door cracked so I could smoke. I was parked under a covered carport thing outside the back door across from the utility supply room. All of a sudden Bob is standing there and kind of grabs the door and opens it a bit. I don't know where he came from but I was listening to music so I wasn't really paying attention. I took my headphones out and looked at him like, what? He doesn't answer right away then asks me if I can take him to the store. A. He is a big white truck that he knows I know he has, and B. He knows well that I can't just up and leave while I'm working. I tell him that, and he goes, Oh no, it's okay. I already asked, you know, Ellen, and she said it's okay. I asked him why he can't just drive himself, and he sits there for a second, looking at me, and then asks me to come help him with something in the utility room. I say no and I need to get back in before I get yelled at. He stared for a minute and then smiles the creepiest smile and says, No you won't. They think you took me to the store. We have plenty of time. I don't know if I'm accurately conveying the creepy scary vibe he was putting off, but I was scared at this point. I didn't know what he wanted or what he was trying to accomplish, but it wasn't anything good. And on top of that... It wasn't moving out of my way and was like 6 inches away from me. I tell him to move and he stands there for a few seconds and finally moves. I dialed 911 on my cell and jumped out of the car and ran inside. I seriously thought he was going to grab me and like push me into the utility room or something. I'm still shook about it. Oh, and he didn't ask my manager, Ellen, anything about the store. He just made that up. Creepy. He left after that and... I really don't know what to do about the whole thing. This happened many years ago when I was 12 or 13. I was walking from my apartment to the grocery store to buy some things. It takes about 10 minutes to walk each way. As I was walking home from the grocery, a car with four big Nigerian men slowed down with their windows down trying to talk to me. Hey there, little girl. What are you doing? You want to come to a party? We have drinks. No, I'm a small 5'2 girl, so I was terrified. I ignored them and walked faster, hoping they'd go away. You want to jump in bed? Why are you ignoring me? I quickly managed to get past my guard's house and basically ran back to my apartment block. I was praying they wouldn't get out of the car and pull me in. In 2012 I had suffered a stroke that killed me. As I slipped away I had felt an overwhelming peace come over me like I had never felt before. Things went black. Then I was ascending above and I saw the city below. Next to me I heard a voice from this orb of varied colored lights that also had a mist coming off of it. It was a woman's voice and she was telling me how excited she was to finally be with her family and see her mom and dad again. I started to feel unsure and told her I wasn't supposed to be here. Suddenly I was standing in an otherworldly place that was gorgeous. All the structures and buildings were made of what looked similar to marble but it had an iridescent color between the marbling. The buildings were decorated with colorful stones with golden bezelments lining the buildings and glass fencing. I walked along the path with my arms crossed and holding to my body. I felt lost and everyone around me was chattering happily with each other in these otherworldly clothes of satin-like linens. Some people held hands and were close and joyful with each other. This place was absolutely beautiful. I came upon an old man who was sitting near a tree and would seem to be teaching a class with people surrounding him. Some were sitting and others were standing. He called me over to join him. He was teaching the lessons of what life is supposed to be on Earth what it was originally supposed to be and how humans were supposed to be caring for the world and the inhabitants on it but materialism had gotten in the way among other things. I felt an overwhelming knowledge come over me as he continued to teach this class about the world, the universe, life and death. Everyone began to surround me and the old man put his hand on my shoulder and he said, it's not your time yet, you will know when it is. The people from the class all came in and held me in a circle and i was suddenly back i opened my eyes and breathed in i was alive and back in my earthly body and this is how i came to believe in god and also reincarnation i don't claim a religion because my beliefs are now a mix of things unfortunately slowly that knowledge that was instilled into me slowly slipped away over the years but i feel it in the back of my mind to me religion became several fingers pointing to the same being. I don't need a religion to dictate my relationship with God. If you're wondering, I'm 27 now and suffer residual effects that disabled me, but I keep going. My body may not work properly, but my brain still does, and I focus on expanding my knowledge in various areas." I live in a relatively new building, it was built about 10 years ago, so you'd expect to be no ghosts or weird things around. Everything is electrical, including the boiler, gas powered anything is very uncommon where I live. I also don't have any pets that I could have tripped over or have any furniture in the hallway between my bedroom and bathroom. Anyway, one night, I abruptly woke up at about 3am, really needing to use the bathroom. Bearing in mind that it's almost pitch black in my apartment. I was barely able to see the outline of my hand in front of my face. I managed to stumble out of my room and towards the bathroom. On the way, I bump into something right beside the bathroom door. I distinctly remember looking at it and thinking, huh, that looks like a person crouched down on the floor. I brushed it off as my dad leaving the vacuum cleaner in the hallway and I just tripped over it and continued to the bathroom. Then I remembered that my dad didn't leave the vacuum cleaner in the hallway. He put it away behind a locked door in the third bedroom over concern that my mother might trip over it and hurt herself. I rushed to flick the lights on and turn around to look at whatever I tripped over that was in the hallway. There was nothing there. Yesterday I had a weird experience on Halloween night, so I wanted to post it here. In 2015, my mom passed away from cancer. Since her death, we made a family tradition to visit her grave every Halloween night to memorialize her. We would go to worship in the church and then light a candle on her grave. This year, the church was closed and my brother was sick, so me and my dad decided to visit her grave alone. We drove out at 9 p.m. The graveyard was completely dark, no lights on the graves. But then we got over to my mom's grave. The lights were lit. We knew it was my grandma who had visited her and lit the candles. We sadly lost contact with her after my mom's death. We lit up our own candles and looked at her grave in silence. I felt comfort watching her grave. I wasn't scared, but it was sad to see all the other graves with no lights. I was surprised the candles didn't blow out. It was a windy night and they were out in the open. Suddenly I heard a quiet sound coming from my side. It was completely dark so I couldn't see anything. But after hearing the sound the second time i could hear it was a cat i sat down on the ground trying to find the cat i could hear it was close to me my dad just watched he knew i loved cats so he wasn't surprised i wanted to pet it the cat was very happy and wanted to be pet so i started to pet him and then he crawled into my lap i just sat in silence petting the cat and watching the grave my mom loved cats too she loved their cat at home He sat in her bed looking out for her to the end. Then my dad said that maybe it was a cat my mom had sent to tell us it would all be okay. The moment was beautiful. My dad turned on the light on his phone and we could see it was a black cat. A black cat on Halloween night visiting my mom's grave. I continued to pet him on my lap and after some time he crawled down. But then the cat walked over to my mom's grave crawled over the little fence and just stood on the grave, the exact place her urn was buried. The cat turned around and looked at both of us with its glowing eyes. I could feel my mom's presence as I looked into the cat's eyes and even though I don't believe in the afterlife, this felt so real. It felt like a sign from my mother. After standing there for some time talking about memories from my mom, we decided to get home. But the cat followed us as we walked away. I sat down to pet him but then it crawled in my lap again. My dad continued to walk to the car. He thought I was right behind him but I couldn't let go of the cat. I felt a connection. The cat was so warm, so happy and then I started to burst into tears. I haven't cried a lot over my mom. I don't know why but at this moment I couldn't keep it in anymore. I know it sounds crazy but I felt like the cat was connected to my mother. I hugged the cat tight and gave it a nose kiss My dad had realized I wasn't behind him and came back for me. He heard me crying and came to comfort me. He knew I wasn't ready to let go of the cat, but he took my hand and we went to the car. I knew I couldn't stay there forever. It was very cold and dark. I'm happy I had the experience, because it felt comforting and beautiful. I felt a connection to my mom. This is not the first time I got a sign from her like this, but that is for another post. Pingu was an Indian stray dog. On a rainy day evening, he, as a pup then, followed me to my home. He was plump and cute for a stray, and I had a fight with my mom to keep him. As years passed, he became a hunk amongst dogs and had many lady friends. Going for a run used to be our favorite time pass. After he became the hunk, I used to see him taking small pups for a run. Being inside a close community, I never tied him down, and he had all the freedom no wonder most of the pups resembled him. Time ran fast for him and soon he was an oldie. He would come and be around my house and I used to feed him, caress him, powder his itchy body and he would simply lie down and enjoy it. When the summer vacation came, I was sent to my uncle's place in Bangalore for a good one month. Pingu used to follow me to the bus shelter on the main road whenever I used to go somewhere. This time also he had come to see me off. When I returned, I found him by the bus shelter and though found it strange thought it could be a coincidence. He looked way healthy from the time he came to see me off. I made fun of him saying he could father a couple more pups. He walked with me in his playful self. The memories of him following me as a pup kept rushing back to me. He followed me till a certain point near my house. I kept looking for him as I neared my house but he was gone. I didn't mind it as he was usually like that. He would go off behind one of his girlfriends or would go off to train some pups and then would always come back to my place to crash. This time it was different. At night he didn't come back and I couldn't find his plate and the bed outside my house. I asked my mother but she skipped it tactfully. Next day when I tried to take a new bowl for him she stopped me and told me he had died while I was away. I told her that was a lie. I could just tell her about the day before She told me that he was buried under a jackfruit tree not far from my house, the place where he had vanished the day before. To this day, I could not make out what it was, and I have never seen him afterwards. So this happened to me about two years back, and I've never had any sort of explanation. I was meditating on my bed with the lights off and my eyes closed. Once I finished and opened my eyes, I saw this ball of light circling itself to the right side of my bed. It was mostly white, but I could see flashes of other colors too as it swirled. I was so scared I threw myself under the covers and turned away. I've never seen anything like it before. About 5-10 to minutes later, when I looked, it was gone and I never saw it again. Has anyone else ever had any similar experiences? Could it have been an entity of some kind, or just an after-effect of meditating or something like that? I'd really appreciate any insight. I bought my home in 2015. It's a three-bedroom semi-detached, built about 50 years ago here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. In 2017, my now-wife and her son moved in with me. He turns three shortly, but at the time of this story, he had just turned two. We have always felt happy, secure, and safe in our home. We have wonderful neighbors. One day, they told me about the original owners. Their names were Erno and Wilhelmina. They are originally from Europe, and Erno was a well-known musician in his day. Apparently, Erno liked to say he was big before the Beatles came along. They were a pleasant couple who were always friendly with my neighbors. Erno and Wilhelmina passed away in 2009. Someone else owned the house for a few years before I bought it in 2015. My neighbors happened to have a CD copy of some of Erno's music. He was a talented musician who spoke several different languages. One night, after we put our toddler to bed, my wife and I listened to some of his music that our neighbors lent to us. I'm not much of a music buff, but to me... It almost sounded like jazz or swing with lots of organ accompaniment. The lead track was a happy tune called Life is a Cabaret, but that was the only English song on the CD. Nevertheless, we found it charming. I commented to my wife that it had probably been some time since these walls heard the sound of Erno's voice. Days later, my wife is at work and my toddler and I are spending the day at home. He is a very assertive little boy. We were in the bathroom together, trying to get him potty trained, still working on that one, and the door was open. He points past me to the empty hallway beyond and says what sounds to me like, ''No boy, stop it!'' I don't pay much attention to it, toddlers have very active imaginations and the things they say don't always make much sense. Moments later, my toddler has some fresh clothes on and we are making our way back downstairs to play. As we are about to take the first step down the stairs, my toddler abruptly stops, turns around, and points back to the empty hallway behind us, and again says, No boy, stop it! As if he heard someone say something he didn't like. Again, I'm hesitant to overanalyze it at this point, but something begins to feel just a little bit creepy. Downstairs, I head to the kitchen to start getting lunch ready while my boy plays with his trucks in the living room. After a few moments, I look down the short hallway to see what he's up to. I see him emerge from the living room and look up, as if though he's looking up at an adult. He then points his finger where he's looking and says, No, boy, stop it. Like I said, he's very assertive little boy and I've seen him act like this with us before. He doesn't like being told he can't do something. Sometimes when his mother and I are acting silly, he'll do this when we're singing or dancing. I admit I was a bit unsettled after this third instance of him addressing someone who wasn't there. Yet, I chose to listen to the logical part of my brain that said toddlers don't always have a reason for the things they do and say. I carried on making lunch. I must have been running late getting lunch ready. My toddler came into the kitchen to check on my progress. I picked him up and told him he'd have to wait a bit longer. As I carried him back to the living room so he could play, he says to no one in particular... Erno! 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 I stopped. I asked him, What did you say? He responded without hesitation, Erno! He didn't point anywhere and I don't recall his attention being focused in a particular direction. I should note that neither my wife nor myself recall speaking about Erno in front of her toddler before this day, but it's not impossible that he overheard one of us saying it. I still mostly feel like the events of that morning can be attributed to the overactive imagination of a growing young boy, but he's never done anything like that before or since. I haven't heard him say Erno again. My wife, my son, and I feel very safe in our home. Our toddler has never given us any indication of being scared of anything. After telling my neighbors about this day, they told me they're sure Erno and his wife are very pleased that there's a young, happy family growing in their old house, I'm inclined to agree. I stopped telling friends and family about this incident. First of all, I don't want them asking our toddler about it. I worry he will get the impression that there's something to be afraid of in our house, which there is not. Secondly, I worry he will start doing things like this just to get attention if enough people keep asking him about it. This is probably the only thing that's ever happened to me that could even remotely be twisted into a paranormal experience. My wife has never had any kind of experience like this in her house. So, did a deceased musician come to pay our toddler a visit and sing him a song in an unfamiliar language? Did our toddler tell him to stop it when he didn't recognize the words, or are we just letting him watch too much TV? If you stuck it out and read to the end, I thank you for your attention. I welcome any thoughts on my experience. This happened several years ago when I was about nine, but hadn't thought much about it until recently. My great-grandma, who at the time was my favorite relative, had just passed away. To give some context, I'd constantly write her letters, talk on the phone, and visit as often as we could. Being nine, it was extremely hard for me when she passed. I barely remember the ride home, but we had just returned to Minnesota from the funeral in New England. I distinctly remember being in my room, on the top bunk, sobbing. My bedroom was upstairs with a bunk bed against the left wall, open on the right. I slept with my head closest to my bedroom door and my feet closest to the window. My window view faced a park across the street from my house and my house. Any traffic would travel parallel with my house and window so their headlights would never directly shine in my room. As I lied there reminiscing about the good times shared with my Gigi to my mom... A bright white light overtook and filled the entire room for a second, slowly faded back to darkness and a familiar musky scent of her perfume filled the room. I think I fell asleep shortly after that because I don't remember much else after that moment. For years that memory would periodically pop back into my mind but I never brought it up to my mom because as a nine-year-old I wasn't totally sure if I was experiencing something real. Fast forward to recently My mom and I were talking about memories as a child and brought up my Gigi. At one point, she brought up the night of her funeral and asked if I remembered anything weird from that night. When I asked what she meant, she, like me, never mentioned it because she wasn't sure if it was real and began to share the same flash of light and perfume experience and confirm my own. Shortly after confirming the event with my mom, I accidentally came upon an old gold locket with her and my picture in it. I like to think that she still comes to check in on me every so often. My parents divorced when I was very young. I do remember after the divorce that they both lived in apartments in the middle of Tennessee. Well, not long before I was about to start kindergarten... My mom remarried to my stepdad and we moved to a small house in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, about 30 miles outside of Birmingham. It was in a good school district and near my stepdad's family who would be helping with my brand new little sister. This was actually a very exciting time for my other little sister and me. We finally had cousins, aunts and uncles, and grandparents we would get to see all the time instead of traveling for the holidays to New England or Florida only once or twice a year. We didn't even care that they were all stepfamily. The cousins we saw most often were Brady and Micah. Their mom and our mom worked odd jobs to make ends meet and helped each other out with childcare while my stepdad worked as a truck driver and Uncle Randy worked as an EMT and ambulance driver. Our house was an odd setup. We lived in a little two-room house that actually sat almost right behind a large old farmhouse that no one lived in. Whenever Brady and Micah would come visit, we would always end up going through the house and always wondered why it was still set up like a house since no one lived there. The beds in the bedrooms were made, there were a couple of plates in the sink in the kitchen for the first few years. It was like someone just left for work one day and never came home. After a day of playing in the house, I found a plate in the kitchen I thought was really pretty. I knew we were about to go visit my grandparents in Florida for the summer and... I thought it would be a perfect gift for my Southern Belle plate-collecting grandmother. I took it back home and mom helped me clean it and get it ready that evening before sending me off to bed. After my mom sent me to bed, she followed her nightly routine of smoking a cigarette, dumping the ashtray, sweeping off the porch before locking it, then watching the nightly news before going to bed herself. While she was in bed, she kept smelling a burning cigarette. She couldn't figure out why and even got up to check the garbage to make sure her last one wasn't still lit. It wasn't. So she went back to bed. She almost fell asleep convinced the smell is just stuck in her nose when all the lights in her room turn on. She turns to get out of bed and comes face to face with me standing next to her bed clutching my blanket and crying. She asked me why I turned on all of her lights. I just break down crying and barely get the words out. I didn't turn on any of the lights, not even the ones in our room or in the living room. Caroline did it. I told her to stop and turn the lights back off, but she just laughed at me. My mom was very confused. Who's Caroline? I explained. Caroline is my friend I made. Normally she just turns on some lights at night. She didn't have lights in her house next door until she was six like me and likes to play with them. But when I tell her to stop and go home to sleep, she turns off the lights and walks away. But tonight, but, but tonight, she turned on all the lights. And when I told her to stop, she laughed at me and walked into our closet instead of going home. Now she doesn't want to leave, and even though I want her to, and she made fun of me. My mom got out of bed and picked me up. She was carrying me back to my room. She quickly discovered every light, every lamp, every ceiling light... Even the pole chain lamp under the kitchen counter was on. She took me to my room and laid me in bed, checked the closet just to make sure Caroline wasn't in there, and turned off the bedroom lights so my sister wouldn't wake up. She went out into the hall and reached for the light switch, but before she could even touch it, every light in the house went off. Mom was convinced that we had lost power, so she hit the light switch to check, and the hall light came back on like normal. As odd as it was, she just went back to bed. As she laid in bed, the cigarette smell came back. She sat up trying to remember if she smelled it while dealing with me or if she was just too preoccupied and freaked out to notice. While she was trying to remember, she heard the screen door to the back porch open and slam shut again. Of course, she knew she had locked it before going to bed. She wasted no more time and picked up the phone and called Uncle Randy since it was before the prevalence of cell phones and it wasn't like my stepdad would be able to make it from Arkansas back to Alabama in any time quick enough for the circumstances. For 12 minutes, my mom sat frozen in her bed, scared to move, listening for any other sign of an intruder or that any of the three of us had woken up. Then she heard a car pull up into the driveway, followed by Randy banging on the screen door and yelling her name. She ran to the kitchen, threw open the back door, turn on the back porch light and immediately saw it. Between her and Randy were about 20 burnt cigarette butts and cigarette ashes strewn across the floor she had just cleaned about an hour before and a lock screen door. Every night when I'm alone in bed, I constantly keep having this feeling of being watched. I'll be laying in bed in my dark room trying to fall asleep when out of nowhere I'll get this feeling. I sit up slightly and scan the room in front of me and my eyes always rest on the corner of my room to my left where I'm not able to see much because of how dark it is. After that I'll usually stare at the corner of my room for a couple of seconds before I lay my head back down on my pillow. But the weird thing is that sometimes I swear I'll see something in the darkness just standing there looking at me. Now it could very well be my overactive imagination due to the countless hours I spend listening to creepy pastas and diving down the rabbit holes of YouTube, but I'm not sure, it just creeps me out. I now always sleep with my TV on as it's my only source of possible light in my almost pitch black room. I sometimes find that my bedroom door and or closet door will be slightly cracked open at times, even though I swear to God I had the thing closed. This doesn't happen a lot with my closet, but it does happen more frequently with my room door. And yes, the latch is always inside the door frame when I close it, so there is absolutely no way you could open it without turning the knob. Has this happened to anyone else? If so, or if you've had any similar experiences, please feel free to comment. From what I can remember, I used to sleep in my parents' room very frequently as a kid due to me being scared to sleep in my own room by myself, so much so that my parents had actually moved my bed into their room so that I could sleep with them. The layout of the room was fairly simple. My bed sat in front of the doorway on the right-hand side of the room near the corner. To my left was my parents' bed and in front of them was their big wooden dresser alongside the closet. Our beds were side by side with about a foot of space in between. So now that I've gotten all that out of the way, on with the story. One day while I was in bed I found it almost impossible to fall asleep. I tossed and turned every which way but with no use. I remember laying there for a long time trying to keep my eyes closed in an attempt to will myself to sleep. I could hear my parents snoring away next to me and the sounds of an old ticking clock my mother had hung in the room on the wall opposite me. Sometime later that night, I vividly remember being on the brink of sleep when suddenly something materialized out of thin air beside my bed. It was a woman, and she was wearing a white robe with golden blonde hair and perfect fair skin. She also had an incredibly bright luminescent glow to her, as though she were a bright light shining through the otherwise dark room. The woman, or what I've come to realize must have been an angel, reached down and put her hand on my forehead, gently running her fingers through my hair. Then she says, Sleep, my child, sleep, in a calm and peaceful, echoey voice. I then very slowly closed my eyes and fell into a deep slumber. When I awoke, I found myself lying on the floor inside my own room. My mother had been the one to wake me up, as she had noticed that I wasn't in bed and found me face down on the ground, sound asleep. My mother had actually been recording me the entire time as she woke up to a tired and confused five-year-old me. She still has the videotape to this day and she nor do I have any idea how I got there. Though the obvious answer would be that I had been sleepwalking, I had only done so one time before. What do you think of my experience? Have you ever seen or been visited by what you believe to be angels? Feel free to give your thoughts down below and Thank you for taking the time to listen to me. When I went to college, there was a public hiking trail that lots and lots of students would go to. And of course, everyone wanted to go at night because there is a tunnel at the beginning of the trail. It's big, it runs a quarter of a mile long, and it's super creepy. The legends say that the place is haunted and it's 110% true. The road to nowhere is believed to be haunted because the state was trying to build a road between two towns to make travel and moving produce faster. When they got all of the correct permits, many of the people who owned the land were Native Americans and poor farmers. After taking their land and rendering many people homeless, and mind you, this place is full of old families, so they uprooted people who had generations and generations of people living there. They actually never finished building the road, and this is obviously where the name, The Road to Nowhere, came from. I grew up in a church, but I'm not a prominent churchgoer as of now. I honestly don't have any religious beliefs. I just think we should all try and be nice and treat everyone the same. Basically, don't be an idiot. One night, a group of friends and I decided to go to The Road to Nowhere one night to have a creepy college experience. We arrive at the site and start walking up the road and everything is normal. We make it through the tunnel and to the other side, and we all start to goof off and have fun. We were also waiting on the other side, waiting for another group of friends that were coming in a different car. After about 30 minutes of being on the other side of the tunnel, I look back at the opening and see something that looks like someone holding a phone flashlight, like you could see the silhouette of a person and everything, so I start calling out my friends' names and yelling inside jokes. I was immediately overcome with this feeling of dread. One, they were not moving. You know how you can tell when people are normal? Not being mean, but you can tell they are making the small movements of breathing and moving their hands in a more comfortable position. Two, they were not talking back to me. I also graduated with a degree having to do with the criminal justice system, so my immediate thought was that this was some maniac trying to hurt us. I turned around and told my friends we needed to leave, and right at that moment, the little phone flashlight shut off. Now I was really scared. People will try to knock your lights off so you can't see, and wanted everyone to get out before someone started to try and shoot at us. So we shined the light through the tunnel. We have a mag light flashlight because the tunnel is the only way back to the car, and you could go over the tunnel, but you'd have to scale the mountain. Anyway we make it through the tunnel into the parking lot. There are no other cars in the parking lot and if anyone came down, you would have seen them. The trail marked the dead end of even the road to the state park. As we are making it to the car, we look back and everyone sees the same little light on the other side of the tunnel with a person just standing there. I honestly don't know if it was a spirit that used to live there or maybe something else. Unfortunately, and I am usually a skeptic, This experience made me question so much about what goes bump in the night. I can assure you it is not humanly possible to scale this mountain. You can even look the place up, it's called the Road to Nowhere in North Carolina. It's free, it's public, and has all the same rules and regulations that state parks usually administer. So if you do plan on visiting, please read their rules and see what kind of wildlife is around during that time of year. During college, I lived in a two-bedroom apartment with another roommate. She was nice, clean, and smart, so I really thought we would get along with each other. The first nine months of living together is fine, not even an argument about the dishes. Then, during the holidays, she went home like most students do. When she came back, she informed to tell me that she had brought back her mom's old Ouija board from when she was little. It wasn't a creepy board. It came in a box that looked like you got it from an 80s Toys R Us store. And to be fair, I honestly thought that they were just games. I'm still kind of skeptical, but I think they opened doors that shouldn't be opened. She got weird. She started to become mean, agitated, and would stay in her bedroom playing with this board for hours. Dishes started to pile up, the living room area was always a mess. She did a total personality flip. The event that led me to believe that something paranormal happened was one day... While my roommate was in class and not in the apartment, I brought my boyfriend over after we got out of class so we could pack up to go hiking. My boyfriend sits his vape down on the table in the living room. These are college apartments, so all the furniture is the same and it's all cheap. And we walk to my room to start packing. When we get back, his vape is no longer on the table and these tables were not fancy by any means. They were a small black coffee table that was metal and just had a tabletop and legs. There was no way to actually hide anything underneath it. We tear up the apartment, looking through everything, and are just about to give up. Then as we were talking, we turn around, and the vape is sitting upright on the coffee table, where it originally was. It also seemed like the apartment was cold, and it felt like... The feeling when you know your parents are fighting in the room next door. Not exactly awkward, even though it is, but I guess you know the feeling. I'm not sure what to make of this experience and I cannot think of any logical explanation. I even had someone else see what happened. Any advice? So this was about two years ago. I was lying in bed on my stomach with my feet hanging off the foot of the bed from about mid-shin down. It was 3am-ish and my mind was finally starting to settle down to allow me to start heading off to sleep when I felt something weird. I don't know how else to describe it other than the generic cold feeling in the air when ghosts are around. But it just felt weird, like something had suddenly changed. But I was like, hmm, and I spread my legs to see if I could feel the shift of air or... Something that would explain that sudden coldness like a draft or something. And I kid you not, something poked me on the bottom of my foot. I'm talking a solid poke, and I swear I have never jumped out of bed so fast. I was expecting to see my roommate laughing, having snuck in to scare me, but there was nobody. I just tried to dismiss it and fall asleep so I could forget all about it. Tried to be rational because I didn't really believe in anything paranormal. A quick side note, I was on a queen-size mattress and a foot and a half away from the mattress edge. Now, I've had two or three experiences where I've felt one of my cats walking on my mattress right next to me, and you can just feel it, you know? In those times, I've either reached over to where I felt the cat was to pet it, only to find nothing, or known for a fact that we didn't have cats living with roommates, depending on whether it was my parents or after I moved out. Well, a couple of minutes after the foot poke thing I'm laying down, I felt somebody pushing down on the bed with their hands right on the edge of the bed next to me. So at first I thought I felt something, then actually distinguishably that I did, in fact, feel something. Then it was pushing my mattress enough to make my body tilt in that direction, and I was in shock, just pure panic. Took about two seconds from the minutest amount of force to the greatest that made me open my eyes, get my blanket and pillow, and get absolutely out of there to go join one of my roommates downstairs in the living room. Even now, I literally cannot comprehend what actually happened. And the fact that it was about 3am didn't help. I'm quelling the matter knowing that 3am is the devil's hour, and there was a slightly similar scene in Emily Rose. It still messes with my head trying to wrap my mind around the fact that I experienced that, and I truly don't know what to make of it. That's my one and only paranormal encounter. Does anybody who's affluent in this realm of things have any input? What would it look like if we all listened more? Listening to audiobooks inspires us, motivates us, even brings us closer, and there's no better place to listen than Audible. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks in the planet, and now Audible members get more than ever before. Each month they get three titles of their choice, one audiobook, two Audible originals, and fitness programs that they can't get anywhere else. I myself have been working my way through Lullaby by author Jonathan Mayberry, narrated by Scott Brick. The fears and horrors of being a new parent take on a shocking dimension in this heart-stopping original story. A young married couple just bought a gorgeous house to escape the hustle and bustle of the city to raise their baby girl, Hope, in relative peace and quiet. When night falls, however, their dream home becomes a house of nightmares. They soon learn that darkness takes many forms, and sometimes, darkness is hungry. There's never been a better time to experience Audible. Try it for free for 30 days by visiting audible.com read or by texting READ to 500-500. That's audible.com slash R-E-A-D, or by texting R-E-A-D to 500-500. You can do it with audiobooks. Hey friends, thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and click that notification bell to be alerted of all future narrations. If you got a story, be sure to submit them to my subreddit, or Let's Read official and give and receive feedback from the community and maybe even hear it featured here on the channel. And join my Discord to interact with me directly. And if you want to support me even more, grab early access to all future narrations for just $1 a month on Patreon, and maybe even pick up some Let's Read merch on Spreadshirt. Links in the bio. Thanks so much, friends, and I'll see you again soon.